0: This is Veasan's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on Veasan,
3: the Sports Betting Network.
5: We begin our number two of Big Bets here on Veasan. Dave Ross and Amal Shaw here at South Point Casino and Hotel in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Got a good one going on in the uh, Big Ten. If you like defense, sixteen to nine as we've crossed the ten-minute mark here. So, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it was before the game started, but these are where those in game scenarios can come to play. 16 mm-hmm. to nine, Boiler up, and they are up seven. But again, ticking down towards uh, nine and a half minutes here. Would you think about getting on an over in play, or
3: do you think we're going to have more defense rule in the day? You know, I'm just pulling up the kind of the numbers And the game. I'll tell you right now, a second half play I would look at right now is Dartmouth and Harvard. I would look at Harvard. The Crimson struggled in the first half in this one. Mm. The, um, in, in this game, in a big green, we're up early and have been had a comfortable lead. I think Dartmouth uh, is going to eventually wilt uh, or here. Uh, they will fall to the wayside here. Um, but I, I like Harvard here in the second half. Number's probably going to be about six and a half. Um, hmm. I would take the crimson here.
5: All right, let's uh, get to our pro tip for hour number one. It comes to us in the NFL. We're getting ready for a hold of fire here in a second. Keep in mind for games in, in the playoffs that involve divisional rivals. And you go, well, there's not many of those left. Well, yeah, there's one coming up next week with the Eagles and Giants as well. We saw it with the Ravens and the Bengals, right? We saw it for three quarters between the Seahawks and the Niners. And by the way, I ended up being on the wrong side of that, but I still thought the handicap was correct. That these divisional matchups in the postseason, and you heard Joe Burrow say it in postgame yesterday, they know us, we know them. And it does get to be a little bit tougher, and the Ravens, I'm sure this is one they're going to be kicking themselves, thought they had a chance to win it outright, depending on the number, at least they did
3: cover that. You know, I heard that argument for the Miami and the Buffalo game, but then I asked somebody, well, then what happened in the San Francisco-Seattle game? I, I, I mean, to me, I don't buy that because it came down to a drop pass by Buffalo, and we're we're one play away from everybody trying to figure out what they're doing for two hours before the Vikings and uh, Giants game started. Well,
5: there's there's three analogies of it here, examples of it, and two of the three, if you took the points with the dog... You won those. Miami loses loses by three to Buffalo. San Francisco does cover the number, but remember, that was a huge fourth quarter in a game that was Struggle City with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Seattle's inside their 10, down six. And then, of course, the Ravens game that we just referenced. So it tends to go the way of these teams know each other, and they tend to be a little bit tighter. But you're right. The Niners did end up covering the number relatively easily, but it didn't look easy for three quarters. But that is... In fact, a pro tip for hour number one. Again, you have access to up to 20 of those a show as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. All you have to do, do is go to VEASAN.com. You can sort those out by show and or by sport. Amal, let's keep that theme going here of divisional rivals as we begin the Monday edition of Hold or Fire as we continue to move on in the postseason. Now, again, we got one game left tonight, Dallas and Tampa Bay. We'll talk about that a lot more as we have throughout this show. But let's get to that divisional matchup and see if this holds true. Eagles against the G-Men. Now, what's interesting about this one is they just played in the season finale, regular yep. season finale. And remember what Brian Dable did in that game. He called up Davis Webb from the practice squad. Mm-hmm. He didn't even want to show cards with Tyrod Taylor as the backup. And, of course, rested Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones has played his best two games as the G- as the G-Men signal caller in week 17, as they wrapped up their playoff berth, and then yesterday against the Vikings in the uh, in the wildcard weekend round. The number is already going up. Opened at seven, it's up to seven and a half. If you like Danny Dimes, Brian Daybold and company, and Big Blue, hold or fire in
3: the seven and a half. I would fire. I mean, it goes up to eight. Obviously, it's a little bit better, but coming down to seven's worse. So I would take a shot here with the Giants if you like them. Um, this is an interesting number here to me because remember the Eagles were seven and a half point favorites in New York earlier this year when they played. Uh, Eagles win that game uh, comfortably. I, I think the Eagles are going to roll in this game. I think people are looking too much at what happened in the last three weeks. Jalen Hurts didn't play in two of the three games. You had a situation where in that game against the Giants, it was 19-3 to going into the fourth quarter in the final game of the regular season. For me personally, I throw games out where a team has already clinched a playoff spot. Yes, I understand Philly was playing for the division. Mm-hmm. But let's be real here. Even Dallas was basically conceding against Washington. Yeah. New York Giants were kind of conceding. It was 19-3. to The final score ends up being 22-16. to Backdoor cover. Yeah, the Giants get a touchdown with a minute 43 remaining in that one I don't think the game was as close as people like to believe based on the final score. Sometimes you really have to uh, dig into the game to get an idea of what transpired. For me, I I think Philly's going to run them out of the building. I think the other thing is Minnesota's defense was terrible, and they couldn't get off the field. You know, even on that third down and long play, Slayton dropped the ball. they probably probably converting the games over right there. Yep. Um, And then you can't rely on Jalen Hurts on fourth and nine throwing the ball for five yards.
5: Well, I mean, if you look at it, it feels like the Eagles have pretty much every advantage, right? I, as as well as Daniel Jones is playing, I think we all realize why Jalen Hurts was an M, is an MVP candidate, right? They have the clear advantage advantage at wide receiver. AJ Brown, no disrespect to Darius Slayton, but if those are your ones, I don't even think that's close. We're looking there now. The offensive line took a hit uh, for Lane Johnson and company for the Eagles. That that's is a big significant, concern. right? Yeah. And the the G men line is playing b- better. So maybe the one advantage the Giants have is 26 in the backfield, right? And Saquon was a monster again yesterday. So if you're the Eagles, it's like I got to figure out a way to take
3: away 26. And then if Danny Dimes beats me, I tip my cap. You know, a friend of mine, he made a futures play on the Vikings. And he says to me during the game yesterday, he goes, I can't even name anybody on this defense or that bad. (laughs) Everybody. Right, like I mean, you, obviously you know Kendricks and Daniel Hunter and, had one of the worst and games. And Harrison Smith, exactly. Those guys were it was it was a, a, an abomination on defense yesterday. I, I mean, I thought they were playing seven on seven yep. and they couldn't stop a crossing route to save their life. Um I thought the Giants utilized Daniel Jones in the running game extremely well. My question is, can he run the ball as effectively against Philly? I don't think so. And I think the other thing is didn't you feel like in that game that The Giants could get a stop when necessary, but Minnesota was not going to be able to get that stop. You were going to need a turnover. You were going to need a Darius Slayton type of drop to be able to get the play. Two biggest games, to
5: me, in the first half, Vikings go down and score 7-0. Giants answer 7-7. Vikings have the ball back third and short, and they try gadget play, throw it back to Kirk Cousins. Disaster. Second half, they're down three, uh, the Vikings, and they've got a fourth and inches, and they go for it, and they sneak it with Kirk and get it. But the left tackle flinched, and then they had to kick the field goal and made a 24 all. At that, those two plays changed a, a yard and a half yard and a flinch. Those things changed the complexion of the game completely because they couldn't get a stop. Can the Giants play a similar style of offense against the Eagles next week? to look as competent as they did against Minnesota?
3: Yeah, that's the big question, and I don't know that they can. Philly's got the extra week off, which helps immensely. The other thing is, I think the Philadelphia offense will flourish. We've seen that passing game. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and company have been tremendous. You know, all of a sudden, a guy who's considered for the league MVP, and now you're giving the Giants a lot more respect based on one game? I, I think we, it's a
2: little bit of injury concern
3: too. Okay, but I, I don't disagree with you. The one concern that I have is Lane Johnson. Yeah, that's, that's a, a big one. Yeah,
2: no, I'm talking more Jalen Hurts. I think there, I think people are still you know concerned about some rust with that shoulder injury. I, but remember, I, I, I'm with you. more. I, t- I mean, we're talking we're talking six weeks since that injury. Now, of when this game's going to be played, I was just going back and looking up when they when he initially suffered that. It's been a while. I, I'm I'm with you. This number feels short to me still, and it, it was seven. It opened seven seven and a half, kind of settled at seven last night, this morning, and then it's been all Eagles money. It looks like since since this morning because it's it's seven and a half everywhere now. I, I think it's a fair question though about
5: Jalen Hurts, and again we talked about it with Lamar Jackson on this show two months ago when Lamar got hurt, and they're saying he's week to week. Remember that's the same thing that Nick Sirianni was doing before the Cowboy game on Christmas Eve. All he might play. He's, he's wired differently. he's heals faster. You know, he didn't get out there for three weeks, right? Now, and he did play in the regular season finale. He didn't look like the same guy. So I think that's fair to say really what's the injury with Jalen Hurts? What do you want him running the football and taking shots in the shoulder? But you do have the backup plan in Gardner Minshew, which is not it's not ideal, but it's not like it's the end of the world. Like if Danny Dimes goes out, you gotta go to Tyrod Taylor. Is it the end of the world? No, but you can see why these guys are twos versus the ones.
3: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you and everything you said there. The, the one thing I'd point out with Jalen Hurts from a negative standpoint, last two games which he played against the Giants and against the Bears, three interceptions, no touchdowns in those. I'm not a big touchdown pass statistic doesn't mean as much to me as maybe it does to other people, but the INTs concern me a little bit, so that, that's an area you're looking at that could be a challenge. Um I still think Philadelphia, you can't discount the season that they've had. I know the schedule wasn't as strong in some of the situations, but overall, I just don't think you sit there and say the Giants, based on one performance against the Vikings, yeah. are the world beaters. I, and I, I think this is an overreaction. You see this all the time. And we'll come back here a week from today and we're we'll talking about the Eagles winning by 27.
2: Well, and I think we, t- we, you know, we talked about the overrated bull last week between the Vikings and the Giants. They, you know, there was a second part of that, and that is the Giants, right. who everybody wanted to point to the Vikings' point differential on the season. The uh, Giants was even worse in the regular season. So, I I don't know. I I'm, I haven't bet it yet, but I'm I'm with you. I, this number, it, it feels a little light to me. So.
3: To Dave's point, that Christian Derrissaw play, I'm mad about it because I had, oh, the, I had the Vikings plus five and a half. And so... Yeah, that's a, that's a four-point play. When they were down 10, I was like, you know what? They're going to make a push in oh, yeah. this game. Yeah, if he gets a, I think they score a touchdown. I'm not saying they First win the goal. game, but yeah. I think the Giants probably win by three. So from that standpoint, it makes a difference. But overall, when I look at this team, I still think you have to give them a ton of credit. This is still a very, very good football team. They've had a great season. The Giants a couple of plays here or there. Remember, this is the same team that couldn't stop the Lions to save their life in their at home. No, Seattle beat them up pretty good. In yeah. Pacific Northwest
5: as well. The one thing that I will say is, and this will get into coach of the year, uh, you know, conversation. And remember, this does not take into the postseason. but what Brian Dable did yesterday was say, I'll match you possession for possession. Let's get in a shootout. I know your defense isn't that good. I wonder if Dable goes the Belichick route and switches his style completely and tries to limit possessions Saying I don't want to get into a, a possession battle with the Eagles because over time their offense is better than ours.
2: I. The other part of that is look, they can keep they can keep tra- uh, treating Danny Dimes like he's uh, like he's Josh Allen. Yep. Eventually he ain't gonna be Josh Allen. Well, I yeah, said that in the summer. He can look like Josh Allen against Minnesota. Eventually he's not gonna look like Josh Allen.
3: Speaking of Josh Allen, I'm a big fan of his because every plays go deep. Yeah. but but please don't ever compare Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes again. That is criminal.
5: Yeah, well, well, maybe we'll do that later in the show. I want to get more because I see you're getting hot under the collar. Come on back. We're just getting it started. in hour number two of Big Bet Zombies. So
0: 18
5: plus. VCN's Big Bets
0: with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com. Check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every single game? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all of the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vson.com. Back alongside of Shaw, Dave Ross here. We continue Holder Fire here in the NFL postseason as we look ahead to next week's divisional rounds. But before we do that, right as we were going to break, there was a tease. And you had said, for those of you out there that put Josh Allen's name in the same sentence as Patrick Mahomes, shame on you. Remember, Josh Allen was the betting favorite to win MVP. It doesn't look like he's going to win MVP. It looks like it's going to go to Patrick Mahomes. And your point of consternation
3: for people that make that comparison is? Well, I think Josh Allen's a tremendous quarterback. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. But I think Patrick Mahomes is just at a different level than anybody else. I mean, if you think about it in Kansas City for the last half a dozen years, if Andy Reid had a pulse of a defense, they're probably looking at a few Super Bowls. I thought Patrick Mahomes, one of his best performances was in a losing effort in the Super Bowl against Tampa. I mean, he was trying to make plays with an inept offensive line. Defense wasn't stopping anybody. Um, but Allen, to me, the one area he has got an issue compared to Mahomes is he throws the ball up in certain situations. Now, look, the Cole Beasley pick, that was on Beasley. Yep. I mean, I remember they went to Pereira and they were talking about he, a holding. He stopped. Or, I'm sorry, not Pereira, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, Gene's territory. He I think. didn't
5: fight for the ball. He was yeah. looking for the flag. Yeah. Right. And that that, that bounced up right before the end of the first half. So I'm with you. And, again, this is something we've talked about a lot in the show through the year here, if you've been with us. And NFL Research put out this tweet, which said Josh Allen now has 16 picks and 22 giveaways total, both most in the NFL, of course, including playoffs with kind of that scared smile emoji like, "Uh uh-oh, makes you nervous. So this is part of the handicap going forward in the Bills-Bengals matchup, which we'll get to here in a second, and or the Chiefs, as they see him down the road. Like, yeah, Burrow gave away, what, four in the first game against the Steelers? Yeah. But he's really cut down on those picks. You know, it was a one-game aberration against a really good defense
3: in the Steelers. A couple of those balls were batted, I think.
5: Yeah, and I mean, look, the Steelers have a really good defense. Yeah. We saw that, obviously. But the problem is, if Josh Allen, they're good enough that he he can play an unclean game like he did yesterday and still win. But are they good enough to do that against an elite team like the Bengals or the Chiefs? That, that's going to be the question.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I think Buffalo's going to play better. I know a lot of people are discounting them in terms of how they're going to perform against Cincinnati. But uh, Buffalo, to me, is one of those teams. Now, they've won, what, eight in a row? Uh, they tend to play up or down to the level of their competition. Well, let's get to that one as we continue to hold our fire here on a Monday. Because,
5: look, the only if I had an issue with anything that happened from the last time we saw this, of course, it was the the, uh, the DeMar Hamlin injury, which was scared everybody across the country, football fans or not. And that game, of course, then was canceled. Now we're going to get that that rematch, if you will, between the Bengals and the Bills. The number opened at four, it, four and a half. It's it's going up to five. The Bills money's coming in here, so we get to that dead spot of five. Look at the total, 15 and a half. If you like the Bengals, and I know a lot of people do, but yet it looks like the Bills money's still overriding the day. Do you hold or fire on the five?
3: Um. I would probably hold because if you like the Bengals, because if it could come up to six, which I doubt um, it's obviously much more advantageous than five, five tends to be kind of a bit of a dead number, but nowadays with two point conversions and everything else, no real number, no numbers theoretically off the board in that sense. Um, I like the Bengals here. Plus five. Mm -hmm. I thought this number was going to be three and a half or four. And I know the game in Cincinnati, I think was Buffalo minus one or so. Yeah. One and a half. Um, but to me, I think Buffalo is going to win the game. But I think it's going to be one of those close 28-24 type of game, 31-28 situation, whatever, 31-27. Uh, I feel like the Bills will eke out a win being at home. But I think with Burrow and Jamar Chase and company, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Now, the one thing I would suggest is look at the weather mm-hmm. and how it plays out. But this team's going to be able to score some points and move the football. We saw yesterday Skylar Thompson and them, I think the sun was a little bit of a factor. We saw drops going into one direction. Yep. I think there's an opportunity here for the um, Cincinnati Bengals to be effective moving the ball.
2: Yeah, interesting line movement on, on this game. Like you said, Dave, really opened four, four and a half at most places. There's a couple five and a halves out there right wow. now. Um, I think. You know, Jonah Williams, their starting left tackle, basically started the entire year for the Bengals, went out late in that game yesterday. I'm, I have a feeling that might have something to do with this a little bit, uh, but I'm with the ball here. I, I I don't know about you guys. Obviously, neither one were impressive. Who was more unimpressive yesterday to you, the Bills or the Bengals? Well, the Bills, again, without Von Miller, and who would have thought old man
5: Von would make such a difference with that pass rush? Yeah. You know, Skyler Thompson was 18-45. It wasn't like he was Joe Namath back there, but, you know, it was still, they weren't getting a lot of pressure on them. Matter of fact, we saw the, stra- the strip sack fumble was Miami on Buffalo, right? And where they, they generated points off that. So to me, who's got the better defense? Check mark Cincinnati. You know, I, like to me, I kind of look at it that way. Yes, Eli Apple's still out there. No disrespect, <laughs> Mama Apple, don't don't come at me. But, you know, I look at that, at least they're on par with, with the Bills' defense, which I did not think was great yesterday. And who's got the, the advantage offensively? Well, look, I heard such a smart uh, expert say, if you're trying to evaluate down the road, which quarterback you'd rather have, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, Josh Allen can play like Superman, right? Because he does these things on the run. He's huge. He's physical. In the running game, that wow you. But eventually, that, those skills will erode. And you won't be the biggest and the fastest guy out there anymore. Joe Burrow in the pocket presence that he has would be the guy you'd want long-term. Doesn't mean that that's not saying you take Josh Allen on Sunday in this game, but it does say that sometimes those physical traits won't be there forever. Burrow looks like he's got the longer career of that kind of premier pocket guy. And Josh Allen's a little bit reckless sometimes with that football. So I'm with you guys to me. I like the Bengals getting five, and very quickly as an aside, this is the only place that I've disagreed with the way the NFL handled the whole DeMar DeMar Hamlin injury and how this affects the Bengals. This should be played on a neutral site because if the Bengals had won that game, Buffalo would have been the three seed, and the Bengals would have been the two seed, and this game would have been in Cincinnati. I I would agree with you there. This is the only disadvantage to me from that whole situation the first time that they played. And yet, this is going to be played in Orchard Park. Maybe that's why we're seeing the difference in the in the number, right? With the Bills being a small favorite in Cincinnati, now they're a bigger favorite. That might take into that that account home
3: field. I think that's a great point. I don't understand why the Chiefs get yep. the benefit of the doubt of it because Buffalo actually beat them straight up in Kansas City. Yes. But Cincinnati didn't have their opportunity. Yeah. And, and so t- I, I agree with you. That that is a great point, so, Dave.
2: By the way, those couple five and a halves I saw. But how do you how do you do it, Dave? That's <laughs> <laughs> back around real quick. They're off the board. Back to five. Yep.
5: And that, look. I'll be curious where this number ends up. And, again, this is kind of the exercise of hold or fire on a Monday. So I'm with you guys. You might want to wait. But if it goes back down to four and a half, like I, th- that's where I start to go, man, I'd, I'd like to get that, that solid number of five here potentially with because of the two-point conversions, the way this could play out. But I'm with it. The Bills might win. But this could be one of those rare instances where the number actually does factor in to the to the side here. I yeah. put
2: in a pretty big teaser bet actually. I, I know most <laughs> shocked by that me putting in teaser bets, but uh, I did a I did a Chiefs down to two and a half, Bengals up to ten and a half. I I really liked that this week. I really liked that. How, how
3: about some of the sports book limiting teasers during the playoffs? Yeah, right? I saw that. <laughs> I mean, what a joke! Yeah. What is that?
2: Where'd that come from? Like what? Oh, it happens. All, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. I, I must've been at
3: the OBGYN's office.
2: NBA, huh. NBA regular season, final day of the regular season of mall. I know uh, money line parlays get severely limited or they get taken off the board as an option. There's a, well, uh, yeah,
3: you know what? Do this. Let's take a look at my bank account. Why don't you just ask me how much money you want? I'll write you a check. We'll save everybody time. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> so I, I like Kelly's idea
5: that teaser better do it now before they limit those. But again, if you can get the Bengals over 10, I I think that's a, I, look, who knows how the game will play out. But to me, sitting here on a Monday, that seems like a smart way to go. I'll tell you one thing, though.
3: I, I know people who in Miami feel pretty good about the cover in that one. I was going through the play-by-play in terms of the Dolphins. How many drives over 40 yards do you think the Dolphins had yesterday? One? Correct. Yeah, it, it was like. I mean, three that's... plays, two yards, two plays, two yards. That was a pick. Uh, Six plays, 10 yards, 10 plays, 38 yards, eight plays, 18 yards, four plays, eight yards, four plays, 18 yards. Well, they had three plays, one yard, three plays, four yards, three plays, negative nine, four plays, 13 yards. Yikes. I mean, it wasn't like these guys were killer on offense. I thought Buffalo shot themselves in the foot.
5: And the amazing thing was the Dolphins had a fourth and one around midfield down three in the final minutes, uh, two minutes of the game. And then they had a, a delay of game penalty, a, a delay of game penalty on fourth and one. And then that backed them up to fourth and six and, and the, the game's over. But like they're right there. If they get a yard on fourth and one and don't and snap the ball on time, possibly sending this game, at least to overtime.
3: You're like Mike Daniel, Mike McDaniels and Skylar Thompson have missed a few flights in their day. Holy How cow. Nothing snap- has ever, I've never seen a team <laughs> go through their entire plethora of timeouts, trying
5: to get the, the ball snapped. It, it was amazing. I get it. It's a third-string quarterback, but that game should not have been that close, to your point, when you look at that drive chart. All right, more holder fire, because we have another game to get to that we have not touched upon yet. We'll get to it next. You're on Big Bets.
0: v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the sports betting network.
5: Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness. Set your lineup. Watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all postseason long. Guinness, made of more. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for all of the details. Back alongside Mall Shaw, Dave Ross here. We are at halftime of that Big Ten tilt between Purdue and Michigan State very quickly a nice close for Sparty. They were down double digits. Now just 27-25, very low scoring. What do you anticipate
3: in that second half? It's going to be a tight game. You know, like I said before, I like Sparty uh, plus four, but the end game could have gotten a much more favorable number. Michigan State was down big, and now we see uh, them able to uh, get back into this matchup here. Neither team shooting the ball particularly well, um, but lower number of possessions in this one. So I expect it to be a little bit of a – a uh, tight matchup going down the stretch. Purdue has big of a 13-point lead in the first half.
5: Oops, so that number clearly all the way down, uh, as you see here, that total pregame was 132, trending towards the under here with just 52 points uh, in that first half. And Purdue, again, was laying four at the beginning of the game. We'll get back to some college basketball here as time permits, but I do want to get back to older fire. And it's very interesting when we had Ben Fox on our VP of digital content in the first hour. And he said some of these football games now are going the way of college basketball and or the NBA with these big swings, like in the Michigan state Purdue game. I wonder if we'll see more of those big swings in the Jags and chiefs this weekend, two very capable offenses, right? So when you look at the number now, as we continue to hold our fire, the chiefs open, we got it about eight here at South Point, And that total, a high one of 52. Now these two teams played earlier in the, in the year, and by the way, Every game so far that we have on the docket next week is a rematch of some sort. Yeah. Right. And this is another rematch. Jacksonville went out to Kansas city and I believe they were getting nine. I think they lost around by, by 10. I don't, they did not cover the number. Now it's eight and a total of 52. If you like the
3: Jags catching points on the road, hold or fire. Um, I would fire if you like the Jaguars. Um, At eight points here, you got a pretty good number against Kansas City. You mentioned it, nine, nine and a half, the first time these two teams met. But for me, the concern I have from a Jaguars standpoint is Kansas City had three turnovers in that game, minus three, and still win by 10. That's a big deal. You have two fumbles. They actually had three they put down on the floor. They lost two of them. Mahomes threw an interception as well. Time of possession was fairly even in that game. But the Jags outgained, I'm sorry, uh, Kansas City outgained the Jaguars in that one by 171 yards. So I think it's going to be a tough road here for the Jaguars. And remember, they were down 17 in that one. They get a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. Really a one-sided game. I'm not going to play this game. I don't like it. I think the Jaguars will play far better than they did the first time these two teams met at Arrowhead. But Kansas City is very capable of taking care of business comfortably. Coming off the bye
5: week that Kansas City earned as the one seed. Some people put earned in quotations because they don't know if they fully earned it, but they do have the one seed. The other the flip of this coin is when you look at what the Jaguars just did with that third largest comeback in the history of playoff football, they were minus five in the takeover category in the turnover category, four picks and a fumble on, on a kick. They gave up five possessions to the chargers and somehow won that game. They can't even get close. They needed three to be plus in Kansas city and still lost by 10. So how do you look at that? What they were able to overcome negative five in the turnover category and still winning the game. They got to be at least even to have a shot, probably positive two to have a shot against Kansas city. Right?
3: Yeah. I would agree with you there. You know, you mentioned the game with the turnovers against the chargers. I thought the chargers inability to punch it in a couple of times, settle for three. Yeah. That was crucial. Cause they wound up with three field goals in that game. And that is what allowed the Jaguars to hang around. If you could have just converted one of those three into a touchdown, particularly the one that was the fumble off the helmet. First and goal. Yeah, you've got to be able to score there. If they get the six, it changes the whole dynamic of the game. But um, I don't know, Dave. I I think when you look at this one, it's a tough call. Either way, you make compelling arguments for both sides. For me, it's going to be a no play. You know, again, look at the Jaguars' last two games. The Tennessee game
5: to get into the postseason, which is basically a playoff game. And their defense – now, again, that was against Joshua Dobbs in a very limited offense. But their defense got a very questionable call to go in their favor to get a fumble, which could have been a forward pass, against Dobbs, and they end up winning that game. They got – they gave away those five possessions, as we talked about, but still got some help from the Chargers, a missed field goal uh, by Dicker, the kicker there, which could have really changed the complexion. Yeah, that was big. In the third. Or 40-yard yeah. field goal that he misses – could change that the, the 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 way that the end of that game plays out. So, they,
3: are they just on borrowed time, the Jags, right now? Well, sometimes you build off the momentum, right? You have a come from behind victory like that, and all of a sudden it propels you going forward. So, you can make an argument on both sides there. I thought Asante Samuel played extremely well. Yep. Uh, we saw Trevor Lawrence make a couple of mistakes. I love that play call that they had with Trevor. Uh, ET or Travis Etienne to so, cement the game. The that down, was a beautiful. Yeah, right. yeah, the fourth down play that put him in uh, field goal range to win it. By the way, that Riley Patterson kick, I initially didn't know if it was good or oh, not. I snuck in. It wasn't yeah, a gimme. Too. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> and you know, Al Michaels calling the game from a library. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was nice <laughs> enough to make sure nobody else got disturbed in the rest of the stacks. Were they not into the game? It was one of the greatest,
5: come- third greatest comeback in the history of the NFL, and you would have thought they were watching it at a morgue. I mean,
2: like, let's, let's get some energy here. As I, somebody, I knew we were off to a bad start like three minutes into the game, and then, yeah, it was the, whoa. the ending. Oh, boy. I, I do want to touch on
5: one thing in this game I, m- that might be overlooked. Doug Peterson comes from the Andy Reid tree. This is a guy that learned from Andy Reid, okay? How much does that play into it when that's my mentor, right? That's my guy. So, have I picked up the tools of the master? And now the you know, master and servant analogy here, does the servant become the master or vice versa? How do you look at Peterson
3: against Reed? Um, I, I didn't really think about it from that angle. It's not that big of a deal to me. By the way, Andy Reed is in that Mount Rushmore of coaches for me with Tony Dungy, guys who have underachieved with the talent that they've had. Because it's one title for each. Dungy had Peyton Manning. And- I, I thought the number of times that they flamed out in Indianapolis was criminal. And I think you can make the same case with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You've got the best player in the league, him and Aaron Donald, been the two best players for the last half a dozen years in this league. And they've got one title to show for it.
5: I mean, I, th- I think that's fair because Andy, when he won that one with Kansas City, all
3: those questions went away. The Philadelphia questions, right? Everything went yeah, away. But hold on a second. You know, Mahomes makes one of the great plays of all time in Super Bowl yep. history to get the ball to Tyreek Hill. And if Jimmy Garoppolo could throw the ball within the area code of Emmanuel Sanders, might not even be having that yeah, kind of conversation. One, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: and for his part, Doug Peterson won with Nick Foles in the year that Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate and upset the apple cart, beat Tom Brady, called an amazing offensive game with, with Nick Foles. Like, I, I just wonder if we're discounting what Peterson has accomplished because we just always looked at Andy Reid and say, that's the guy. And we don't really look at what Peterson's been able to do now in a couple stops.
3: Well, how much of the defense in that game between Philly and New England do you put on Doug Peterson as the head coach? Well, he's an offensive guy, right? I, I look at it like like Staley's going to get a lot of criticism for the Chargers' offense in the
5: second half. Yeah. I don't put that on Staley. That's on that's on your offense coordinator. Staley's a defensive guy that came over from Sean McVay's system, yeah. right, as one of the youngest defensive coordinators. So I look at what you do. On your as, side of the ball. Yeah. like So Andy Reid gets criticized for the defense. Bad hires, maybe, for coordinators, but I don't necessarily put that on Reed. The offense has never really been in question
3: for me with Andy Reed and or Doug Peterson. I I don't question the offense, obviously, with Andy Reed. um, But in that game, New England never punted. Brady had 555 passing yards, and and they lost. I mean, it's still astounding. Five fifty-five. Five fifty-five. That, so that's set, gonna, in the NFL record that broke
5: Norm Brocklin's five five four. It's one of the best performances in a losing effort I've ever seen. Tom that, Brady. That forever
2: to me is always going to be one of the most like outlier Super Bowls because like I, it, like nothing adds up to you know right? It's like the co- different quarterback in there, and you still beat Tom Brady who did all that in the game. Uh, it's incredible. Well, again, you know Brady. When
5: people really try to nitpick, and oh, he had the defense, so he didn't really win that one. He wasn't great in the first one against the Rams like they forget about some of the ones he was great and they didn't win that's what happens when you go to
3: 10 Super Bowls well Marshall Falk will always contend that they knew their plays because they were drawn up plays in the red zone on the sideline well we know that
5: that happened when Callahan took the Raiders uh, against the, against the Buccaneers and John Lynch who was playing safety that day knew every play
3: they said that the Buccaneers were calling out the Raider plays well, that's different because you had John Gooden, who was your former head right, coach, right? So he knew the whole playbook. That's different than recording somebody. Oh, the, oh, Belichick for the for the Chiefs.
5: Yeah. <laughs> ah. so you it's, it's different from just knowledge versus
2: versus videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I
5: mean, I mean that's why they, that's why they put up all, the, all, the, all those things now you see in the sidelines, right? To try to to spy because they're saying Belichick was over there, yeah.
3: you know, recording and reading lips and the whole bit. By the way, I'm not a Raider fan, I'm not a Patriots fan, but uh, I saw that 30 for 30 on that Tom Brady, the fumble. Oh, boy. How the hell that wasn't a fumble? It still is mind-boggling to me. Everybody knows it's a fumble. But don't worry. Between the Jags and the Titans, we made sure we reviewed that thing in about three seconds and got that thing ready to go.
5: It's amazing. It
3: absolutely is. When you look
5: back historically at what changes the course of history, that changed John Gruden's history. It changed Tom Brady's and propelled his Who knows what becomes of Tom Brady if that play is called a fumble? Yeah. It's the the old sliding doors concept. Like if you walk through one door, you don't go through the other. Who knows how the life turns out? Well, Brady's has turned out pretty darn well. When we come back, we'll talk all things. One more playoff game to go in super wildcard weekend. Buccaneers and Cowboys next here on Big Bets.
4: Yeah,
0: I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He do not care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you
2: see him in the Olympics. He's going to guard. And then on Love top of
0: it. like that, see that.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came in my room crying tears. <laughs>
3: I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember
1: what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it?
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. v Big Bets with Dave Ross
0: and Maul Shaw on v the sports betting network.
5: Football playoffs are heating up with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all things football this playoff season. Celebrate the weekend with our divisional round parlay insurance, then extend the fun throughout the rest of the playoffs with our playoffs first touchdown insurance. Log on to BetRivers.com. Download the Bet Rivers app today to get in on all the action. It is a whole new ballgame. Back alongside of Shaw, Dave Ross here. Wow, things have turned. At Michigan State in East Lansing, right now, Sparty up, boiler down. Remember, this was a double-digit lead for Purdue in the first half. Right now, early second half, 30-27, 18 minutes to go in the second half here, Maul. You like the Spartys before the game. I'm sure you like him even more now with the defense, Tom Izzo's playing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They are, as you alluded to, down 13 in that first half, making a comeback and uh, really doing a nice job. I'm telling you, if you look at this team for years at the Breslin Center, tough to play against. And this is going to be a game, though, that's going to come down to last possession. I, I think it's going to be tight throughout.
5: Hey, definitely trending to the under right now. But, again, overtime is, is always not your friend sometimes with those uh, underplays here. But right now, it's trending in that direction, 30-27, 17 and a half minutes to go. Again, that pregame total was 132. Okay, we've been talking a lot about the NFL. We don't know where the number is going to go with the Jags and Chiefs, Giants and Eagles, and or Bengals and Bills. Well, what is surprising to me is the last game here in Super Wildcard Weekend, the number really hasn't changed. The Cowboys opened around three. I'm still seeing some two-and-a-halves. We are seeing some fluctuation here at South Point back up to three. Will this be three across the board before we get to kick tonight here in Tampa?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, look, it depends on your personal preference. You like Dallas in this spot. Obviously, you've got the experience on the side of Tom Brady. Tampa getting a little bit healthier. You mentioned Ryan Jensen back. Several guys in the secondary back for Tampa Bay as well. Dallas, to me, the one thing is, you know, they have the capability and the talent to make this a one-sided affair, but do they get off to a fast start? I think the longer this game is tighter and closer, I think it bodes well for Tampa, not because of the comebacks that they've had, but more so I think Dallas gets tight in that situation.
5: I tend to agree that it, it could get tight. It's kind of like the chargers where you see certain teams, by the way, the Cowboys have not won a road playoff game since 1993, 92, 92. in San Francisco, the Jimmy Johnson game. We will win the game. You could put it in six inch bold type. And that was against Steve young and the Niners that day. And uh Ricky Waters and company. I mean that that's how far back
3: you have to go for the Cowboys to win a road playoff game. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine about some guys that are gonna to go to the Hall of Fame. Is Jimmy Johnson a Hall of Famer? Well, to me is because they I know he only gets credit for two of those Super Bowls. I agree with you. That he's right. the architect of
5: three. Barry yeah. Switzer look, Barry I don't want to discount what Barry did either in ninety-five, but that
3: was still Jimmy's guys that Barry got that Super Bowl ring with. Yeah, that's fair. But you know, you look at the rest like in Miami. They won ten games. That was the best record he had in the season. They lost by about three thousand points in Dan Marino's last game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just, I just we were we were talking about certain players are getting in the Hall of Fame, and the NFL has turned into the Hall of Very Good instead yeah. of the Hall of Fame. Oh, we've we've watered
5: down the halls, right? By, by the way,
3: as soon as Eli Manning gets in, the dam is going to break. <laughs> he's
5: getting <laughs> yeah. in again. He's he's. There's only one quarterback in the history of the NFL. That's not in the Hall of Fame. You know, Eli, once he's eligible, we believe will be in. And that's Jim Plunkett to win two Super Bowls with the Raiders and not get in. That kind of is the demarcation line. Jimmy won two as a coach. Again, doesn't get credit for the third. Yeah. I mean, he I, I, can make cases for and against. I,
2: I, I think he's going to just because oh, yeah. he's also like, he's also partially the face of an era uh, in the NFL. I mean, the Cowboys and the height of them in the 90s. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's very, I think some of that's going to play into it as well. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I just, sorry, go ahead.
5: No, I, I think that's part of it. I agree with Kelly that I, I think the perception, whether or not it's the reality or not, but the perception is there that Jimmy did that, Jerry didn't do it. That's why they split. Because Jerry's like, no, 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 dude. I had a big hand in this, and you're getting all the credit.
3: I, I, I get all that. But, you know, here's the perfect example. We used to have Mike Sando on our show, who's a Hall of Fame voter. And I asked Mike one day, I said, Michael Strahan's in the Hall of Fame. And I love a Warren Sapp, and I agree with him. He goes, Michael. He goes, Michael Strahan's not a Hall of Famer, and I tend to agree with him. If Michael Strahan's in the Hall of Fame, John Abraham should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. John Abraham has six less sacks than Michael Strahan. But I don't think most people realize that. And you mentioned Eli. Eli never won a playoff game outside of the years that they won the two Super Bowls. Right. And obviously, you know. It, incredible runs. It's incredible runs. But to me, the rest of your career, you never win a playoff game in any other season? I mean, th- those are all debatable issues.
5: And, and I understand that. But I, I, I do value the winning the most, right? And so, like, if you get to the mountaintop twice, as Jimmy did, as Eli did, that does sometimes trump the rest of the career, yeah. right? Now, the Cowboys, this current group, they know the history. They're being told the history. You guys haven't won a playoff game since 92 on the road. So, I don't know. That's not going to factor into this game. But it it does get to that charging effect of, like, they just don't do this. And for whatever reason, they come up snake eyes. If this gets tight late, who do you trust? Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy or Tom Brady? Because I don't know that many people trust, trust Todd Bowles, but they certainly trust Tom Brady. He's pulled rabbits out of the hat. Two times already this year, or else they
3: wouldn't even be in this position. Talking about the Saints and the Rams. Yep. Yeah. And to they me, no business winning those games. If you're Tampa, I would go quick here. I would go with a uh, hurry-up offense, put some pressure on the Dallas defense, see if you can get on front early. I'm interested, looking forward to this game. I didn't bet it, but I would look at uh, Tampa plus three here.
2: Now, I mean, we- now we're hitting that point of all. It's, I, I, it's hard to recommend anything else, right? I mean, yeah. they look that the, the South Point's the best. Uh, that's the best price you're gonna find, I think, in the country. If you're looking to bet the bucks is come on down here to the South Point, you get three minus one ten. It looks like you're paying juice other uh, other places, minus one twenty at least, uh, to get the three or it's two and a half. Uh I, I I guess the other one I tend to lean under on this game, but man, I I'm with you guys. I don't know on this one. He, he, Dallas be, better not have it close late. I think everybody's well, going to be thinking that. I was stunned that the total didn't move at all, all week. 45 it really didn't. It 45, didn't 45 and a half. Hasn't moved anywhere off there.
5: I thought it would come down because Kelly, at first blush, my inclination was that's too high. But then you have to look at the Cowboys secondary, and they are decimated yeah. back there, right? So Trayvon Diggs, whatever you feel about Trayvon Diggs, he is their ace. He is their number one. I'd be surprised if Brady, being Tom Brady, goes at Trayvon Diggs a whole lot. He's going to look at rookie corners, Bland's out there. They've got rookies everywhere now for the Cowboys. And you've got two, three guys with Godwin, with Evans. You've got playmakers on the outside. So that's the only concern I have about playing the under is if Brady knows they can't run the football. Now, Jensen coming back is going to help that, right? And the best running performance they had all year was week one against the Cowboys. Now, that feels like a lifetime ago. If they commit to the pass, I think it's going to be Brady or bust. And if the Cowboys don't get picks or strip sacks with Micah Parsons in 11, Brady could have a
3: lot of success through the air
5: because this is an inexperienced back four now, with the exception of Trayvon Diggs.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This should be a fun game to watch. I mean, look, it's a tremendous game for Monday night. Uh, I know a lot of people will be tuning in. Probably the highest rated game of the weekend, and I think we'll have a competitive game. You know the game Saturday, even though it turned out to be a tight game late. I'm sure a lot of people may have tuned out midway through the second quarter. So this should be a lot of fun to see uh, in terms of the competitive nature of both teams here. Did you see the prop for Tom Brady passing
5: attempts? I don't know that I've ever seen it this high. <laughs> this it's is a, it's
2: insanity. It's actually up to 43 and a half, Dave. I'm looking at him right now at DraftKings. Oh my God! This has changed since we built this graphic. 42 and a half is already gone, kids. I'm not betting under.
5: 40, that's the point. They cannot run the football. They have not run the football. I, I would be stunned if they try to rely on the running game today, tonight. 43 and a half attempts is the total for Tom Brady. And as to Kelly's point, how do you play the under? He's going to throw it 50 times, kids. We're going to sit here tomorrow on this show and go, yep, yeah, Brady had to throw it 53 times in order to get X result.
3: Well... I mean, I, I, I want to see how this running game performs with Jensen. Uh, I want to see if they're a little bit more effective. And also, I think scoreboard will dictate a lot of it.
2: Well, if- it it will. I'm just, I'm just wondering about how much do you – I think that's an interesting thing for to watch with the Bucks tonight. Do you try to establish this running game, but you really haven't been able to establish Except all year? against the Cowboys. Except against the Cowboys, but you've got healthy linemen back now. So, is that something you try to do early on to create a little more balance in your offense – or are you saying, hey, we don't have time to mess around. We're sticking with what got us here, and that's just Tom Brady slinging the ball a thousand times. I mean, this, this is Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, right? I,
5: look, we've seen Belichick do this historically through the years where one game plan one week is completely different to the next. I would be surprised they change their spots now and try to go back to the running game and see if it's effective when they really don't know because Jensen hasn't been there all year. And now he's back for this first game. But the Cowboys are susceptible to the run. So they're susceptible in a couple spots, right? The running game and certainly the overtop passing game. I, I'll tell you a prop I do like. Interceptions for Brady at a half. By the way, that's the same for Dak, who's throwing one at alarming rates every week. He's throwing a pick. Would you play both of those props to the over that
3: at least you get one aside? I think so. By the way, Brady, nine of last 10 games, he's thrown for at least 43 passing attempts. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've never I, seen a prop that high. Ever.
2: I think it's going over, too. I, 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 too. I, I think it's going <laughs> over. 43 and a half is now that Juice problem. on the interceptions because I was I was interested as well. Minus 175 if you want to go over on Two-minute. By the
3: way, you can probably get about 15 passes in two two-minute drives at the end of the first and potential second half if they're behind.
5: Amazing. Can't wait for that game. We'll talk about it tomorrow here on Big Bets. Final Countdown next here on Visa.